Hi, I'm John Stevens. This is Matt Russell. And this is Pod Have Mercy. This is Pod Have Mercy. Well, welcome. <laughs> this is uh, Pod Have Mercy. And we are set up a little bit different today. Um, this goes out on a YouTube channel, but yeah. mostly, I mean, a lot of people listen to it on a podcast. Yeah. But we are set up different. Instead of around the table, we've got more social distancing. So we're not on campus a lot, but we are doing some essential things, recording worship and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so we're able to maybe come do a few of these podcasts from time to time. But we now are far away from yeah. each other. The camera adds 10 pounds and it also makes you look like you're closer than you really are. But we're actually 30 feet from each other. We are a long way. There's no air droplets coming. Uh, so today, of course, Matt Russell, who's always with us, and Sonia G, who is the director, executive director, president, CEO of Memorial uh, Area Ministries, is that what we call it? Memorial Ma'am, Memorial Ma'am. Assistance Ministries. Memorial Assistance yeah. Ministry, which is one of, Ben Chapelwood's one of our key partners in the community of Spring Branch, although Ma'am reaches a lot more people than just that one uh, zip code. So we've got a different setup, and we wanted to spend some time talking today about um, how this quarantine and coronavirus and COVID is affecting Mm -hmm. particularly people that are in the margins that are the most vulnerable on the lower ends of the socioeconomic uh, spectrum. Yeah, that's right. You sent me an article last week, uh, John, that um, was in the Houston Chronicle um, that the the title is Corona uh, Expert Dr. Peter Horitz, New Orleans is hot spot. Will Houston be next? And he talks about um, in that article the fact that uh, in all of this, it's the most vulnerable that um, that are the most exposed, um, both in terms of their own kind of health and the healthcare system, and also financially. Um, and so, being in partnership with MAM for so long and the the amazing work that they do, uh, and that we've been able to do with and alongside of them, I thought it'd be great to have Sonia come and just tell us about what she's seeing and um, uh, the collaborative efforts that we're involved in with them and um, so that we could um, we could get a sense. Yeah, of I mean, people who are a part of Chapelwood are familiar with MAM, but a lot of people may not be familiar with MAM and the, the outreach in the midst. So tell us a little bit about the, the community ministry first off, and then we'll talk about how it's affected people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Just starting out, thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of this. Um, The partnership with Chapelwood, who's been a part of Mm MAM since our origins. Uh, it's been just great to continue uh, to work together. I really think it is a community effort. So um, so interestingly enough, the history of MAM is that it started in a situation, certainly not the same as today's, but um, it started in the early 80s when there was a significant economic crisis mm-hmm. and um, the churches were trying to figure out how do we best serve the community? Certainly recognizing that there were folks that we're having, you know, a difficult time making ends meet for their families, and uh, and the church cared deeply and wanted to be helping um, their neighbors, uh, but yet also recognized that it wasn't necessarily the wheelhouse of the church to be supporting in that area. Um, and so it wasn't just Chapelwood; it was actually 13 different congregations at the time that came together and said, "How can we, you know, as a community of faith, come together, and how can we be the hands and feet to our community?" And that's when Man was formed. 
formed. Um, so that was almost 40 years ago. And here we are today. And it's really just amazing to see, you know, our services um, have expanded significantly. So we have programs in lots of different areas. And kind of a nutshell, we say we try to help families move from a, a crisis or survival mode to a place of stability and then moving on to thriving. Mm. Um, and so that can look like anything from, you know, support and assistance of how do I access the resources um, that are available within my community to help me in my situation. Um, it could be emergency financial assistance, a little bit of what we're seeing right now that people are looking for. Um, but I would say really our wheelhouse is helping people to navigate and to build a plan, an idea, and take the steps to get them closer to a place of stability. And so we do that through employment services. We do that through financial coaching and counseling. We do that through immigration services and mental health counseling. Um, the fact that we have on our campus the capacity to touch the holistic needs of the person, I think are really, really important. And, um, and you know, while we have a really strong staff, um, we really also depend on the community being a part of our work. So, you know, in our programs, we have you know, members of Chapelwood and other churches that are core parts of our team. You know, one of the other skills that we support is English as a second language. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have over 1500 ESL students every year at MAM and every single one of our classes is volunteer teachers from our community. So we're really proud that, you know, we're a community-based organization and um, you can really see that here in the Spring Branch and greater area, um, people really do care and they're coming together to support. So it's needed more than ever today. And uh, we're just really, you know, we're blessed to be a part of it. Yeah. And I, I appreciate all the work that you're doing that yeah. ma'am has been a partner with Chapwood and we've been a partner with you along with a lot of other churches. And mm -hmm. I think back on, you know, since I've been here with Hurricane Harvey mm -hmm. and the work that was done, uh, our collaboration with you and communities and schools mm -hmm. to really help people uh, during that time, or a lot of people affected by that. And the, the thing that fascinates me, Matt, you and I have been talking about is, you know, so we're living this new existence. We're in, we're in quarantine. We're stay at home since last Tuesday. Um, Houston's been in a stay at home except for essential work. It's only been a week, John. It, it, <laughs> yeah. No, it actually hasn't been a week. It started when, Tuesday, like midnight. So really it started Wednesday. So we're not even a week and it feels like isn't it feel, I, I feel it's like that. I, I, I just, I just want to acknowledge that, that this month was the rodeo and spring break. Mm -hmm. And that feels like it was like a yeah. hundred years ago. Like time has been altered. Yeah. Some. Time does change. But one of the <laughs> things that's interesting to me is like a lot of people that we talk to, you say, okay, well, you can work remotely, stay at home in your virtual learning for your kids. Mm. But there are a lot of people in our economy and in our neighborhoods and in our cities that they don't have jobs where they can work from home. Mm -hmm. And I think about, we've talked about um, children in Houston where 30% are dealing with food insecurity mm -hmm. and their meal for the day would be from school. And I know that the school districts are trying to help, but even with the quarantine, you can't, you have to be very limited and very specialized about how you're handing out. That's right food and you've been on the front lines of this. We've been on the front lines of this and I know you have too. And I, I just think, you know, my heart breaks for people that are in these vulnerable positions. Mm -hmm. You know, I was reading an article and they talk about, okay, here's what you need to do. <clears throat> you know, work remotely. Don't go into the office. 
Um, if you need to take your sick leave, you can do that. Uh, go to the grocery store and stockpile up on two weeks of, of what you need uh, in case you get stuck at home. And make sure you, if any, you have any symptoms, call your doctor. Don't go to the office. And I'm thinking, okay, all of those things are things that, uh, that a lot of people in our community are not able to do. That's a very privileged mm-hmm. kind of um, list right there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. it it's mm-hmm. uh, folks that are privileged can do that. But we're seeing a lot of the folks that we're in community with at Chapwood and at MAM, just they're unable to do that. They're wondering about rent, I think, this, you know, April 1. You know, that's just around the corner. And so, yeah. What is it, studies that like 47% of people in the United States could not come up with $400 to mm-hmm. meet some emergency Emer- in their yeah. life? Yeah. So if you are in the situation where you can stay at home and work and continue to be paid, you are really blessed. Yes. And you think about people who don't have doctors, also people who, who are in the lower socioeconomic uh, range have higher health issues, typically, uh, more food insecurity. So, and, and you're talking about staying at home. Sometimes in our neighborhoods, you know this, you'll have multiple families that are living in a single home and they have to go out and work. And so to stay separated is one thing when you're yeah. a family of four in a four or 5,000 square foot house with five bedrooms. <laughs> but if you are a family of 10... In a two-bedroom house, <laughs> yeah, that's a completely. What are you seeing, Sonia? Sonia, and like with what you're dealing with in the community, mm-hmm. and your people, are you are you finding these pressure points at work? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think this is something that you know, at Mayhem, we're accustomed to hearing on a day-to-day basis because of the work that we're in. But we certainly mm-hmm. um, are seeing it in a much more heightened way um, in the past few weeks. Um, I think, you know, as you mentioned, it is the most vulnerable that get impacted, and it's everything from their health situations to their financial situations, the mental health and yes. spiritual health of individuals. Yeah. You know, I personally was thinking about, you know, today was the first day my kids are in HISD. This is the first day that they actually had curriculum and were meeting with their teachers. And I thought, you know, how many kids are out there where, you know, one, their parents aren't available to help them. They don't have the technology at home to connect them in. Um, because you know, a lot of the systems right now are built on somebody having, you know, multiple computers, laptops, smartphones, you know, available, you know, simple things like, you know, people being at home, the amount of food that's consumed and electricity that will be consumed that will be different than kind of a day to day situation. Um, all of those things are, you know, certainly compatible pounding um, the challenges that so many people already face if they, you know, have been really struggling just to make ends meet on, on a day-to-day, even mm-hmm. prior to the this COVID situation. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think the other thing that we've seen um, pretty significantly is, you know, since you know, MAM's been virtual really, you know, for the last week and a half now. Um, and we've been fielding over 150 calls a day. A lot of the the, the work that we're doing um, on, on the initial end is really just listening to people, helping guide people to what the resources are, what their options are in their situations. And one thing new that we found is, you know, we've had a significant number of new families and individuals calling in, people who have said, I have never had to ask anybody for help before in my life. And I don't know what to do. Um, And so certainly, you know, 
the situation for them very challenging as well as, you know, this is, it's a whole new system of, um, you know, of knowledge for people that are accessing these support systems that we have, whether they're the formal ones, whether they're government-based or faith-based or community-based. Um, so even just providing the information, um, what's accurate, what is up to date, um, is, is quite a significant, um, you know, what's endeavor. your biggest challenge right now? Do you, I mean, I'm sure you got a lot of them, <laughs> but right now when you think of like what you're facing in, today, in, today, I mean, you know, we're, we're a week into a lockdown type situation uh, mm-hmm. where people are not able to work unless they're in essential jobs, mm-hmm. but even those are limited now. Well, mm-hmm. what's the biggest challenge you're seeing Yeah, I think one of the difficult things um, is just the depth and the breadth of the need that's out there and how to temper our responses so that we're most effective, able to help the most amount of people, but in a way that really um, is substantial enough that it allows them to um, work towards their pathway of stability. Um, So, you know, you always want to be careful of, um, you know, making sure that you're helping people enough, but also recognizing that there's, you know, there's more need out there than, you know, the, the, the dollars that, um, we have are going to be able to respond to. So, you know, certainly, um, many nonprofits in our situation right now also where we recognize that, you know, in addition to the COVID situation, you know, kind of just the, the oil and gas situation, which, you know, for our local economy is so important, um, Mm -hmm. has a huge impact in our fundraising and our ability to provide the services, you know, because (laughs) at MAM, we really don't, you know, depend on federal funding or government, um, funding. And that's been a choice that we have made. Um, and we've always depended on the community and the community has always been so incredibly generous uh, to support the needs that we're able to, um, you know, provide for the community. That being said, we ourselves recognize that our, our entire community is being affected by this. Uh, and so, you know, being able to be sensitive to the fact that, you know, some of the folks who for many, many years have supported us maybe in a situation where they themselves are having needs right now um, has been just a whole new you know, area that we've had to navigate. There was, um, uh, in one of our youth communities, um, there was a, um, a kid that I was talking to two days ago whose father um, and mother are undocumented and the father lost his job. Um, mm-hmm. And um, um, the son is a high school student and is just, is carrying just a, a lot of anxiety, mm-hmm. if not almost despair. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and I asked him, um, you know, kind of who else is in that same boat. And he just started listing folks in his apartment complex yeah. who, and so there's a sense in which in North um, Spring Branch, it feels like almost like a black hole has mm-hmm. opened um, yeah. that, um, that each of us, I think John talks about it all the time, that we really need to attend to that. We need to th- yeah. not just think, and we're doing more than thinking about that. Right. But, you know, yeah. um, you've listed um, and have talked about some resources that MAM has. Um, and I've gotten on your website and just think, oh, people need to know about these things. So we're not uncoordinated and doubling efforts in places where we could be collaborating. Could you talk about some of those? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, right now you can look on our website. It's www.mamhouston.org. And we have special information there about the COVID services that are available. Mm-hmm. Um, there's direct lines and emails that you can connect with um, if you are needing help. Um, and that's, you know, it's information and referral support, uh, financial assistance, employment assistance, immigration and legal support, mental health counseling, and um, 
financial coaching and education support. Um, those are kind of our core services. And, um, you know, you can reach out to us. We're, we're not live answering the calls, but we have been able to keep up within, you know, a short period of time, um, getting all the calls back. You know, one thing to recognize is just the tremendous amount of need right now. I know that a lot of people have tried to get onto Texas Workforce Commission's website and haven't been able to get through to anybody there. You know, certainly we can all recognize that the systems, just like we see in our healthcare system, you know, unemployment systems and other systems are in the same situation, just very bottlenecked, trying to get as much support out to the community as possible. But there's just a certain amount of bandwidth, people-wise, technologically-wise, to be able to do that. So, you know, we definitely ask for your patience. We, you know, we try to ensure that we have a chance to talk with everybody and take a next step with them of what else, what can be, you know, the most helpful, but also recognizing that our support, you know, maybe support that is going to go on for, you know, several months with the families that we're serving. Um, and so, you know, we are setting up appointments so that we can have, you know, virtual calls with people depending on, you know, what their particular need is. Um, you know, it's been, you know, you were mentioning um, being up in, you know, Pitner Road and especially in a lot of these apartment complexes. Of course, yeah. you know, there's already a lot of anxiety um, because of financial situations, because of immigration situations. And certainly now, um, you know, this additional layer of the health concerns. Um, yeah. You know, we have several people on our staff who, you know, live in different areas of, of, of Spring Branch and, um, and our service area. And, you know, it's been really great to hear you know, just um, the other day, a guy who's in our warehouse was telling me that, you know, he has elderly neighbors in his apartment complex and they literally have no one to go to and mm -hmm. have no idea how to reach out for help. And so, you know, he's both been able to connect with them and let them know about ma'am, but, you know, he's gone grocery shopping for people. Um, that's just yeah. the type of, you know, response. Um, but, um, you know, Bernie, who's our, our navigator, he's sometimes the, the first person that people will talk to when they come to ma'am. Uh, he's from Spring Branch. And he's just done an incredible job, you know, working lots of hours and being available by phone, by email, by text, um, just trying to really help the community be as connected as possible to the resources. That's great. Yeah, yeah I was just, I was looking to remind myself of, of just some thoughts from, you know, these articles that talks about that these, these epidemic pandemic situations as it relates to inequality has an exponentially mm -hmm. uh, or an exponential impact yeah. that goes way beyond mm -hmm. the the epidemic or the pandemic. Yeah. And they were mm -hmm. talking about how when this hits, it sets off this cycle of declining economic status, rising chronic illness, um, further depresses productivity, rises healthcare costs. You know, you've, this has been in a lot of the political uh, debate. And, and this uh, one particular... Uh, biological science journal, they talk about these disease-driven poverty traps mm -hmm. in which the combined causal effects of health on poverty and then poverty on health, um, uh, it, it hits the system so that you have people who are the most vulnerable, who have less access to health care, Right. All right. They have a higher chronic illness because they're in the, a lower socioeconomic or, and actually people don't realize too that older adults tend to be on the lower economic mm -hmm. margins. So yeah. that people over yeah. 70, I That's think right. it is the average median income in 2017 is like $20,000 a year. Wow. So you have your elder, wow. elderly crowd, the poorer crowd, and you think, okay, well, so let's just say 
that in Houston, for example, they have a, an eviction uh, freeze. Supposedly, you're not supposed to be evicted from your place, but you probably know as well as anyone that with some of the apartment complexes we're dealing with, yeah. I mean, after Harvey, they just painted over mold in the yeah. wall and we'd have to go mm-hmm. <laughs> and there and work with the city and the inspectors. And, and But that doesn't mean people aren't being evicted. And it also doesn't mean that even though they can't be evicted, those rents are now still piling up. That's right. And I think that's something that's important for, you know, while it's wonderful that people have a little bit more um, time and space um, because of the hold on the evictions, although that's actually doesn't apply to all um, renters, um, you know, the same with utility cutoffs. Um, that does give people a little bit of a breather, but at the end of the day, um, it's just, they're piling up more debt. And like we've already talked about, it's, you know, so many people who already struggle on a day-to-day to make ends meet and are having to make really difficult choices. Um, so if they are in a health crisis, you know, it just continues to compound um, that challenge. And while we have seen legislation, you know, be more flexible with, you know, for example, with undocumented being able to access um, the medical support that they need for COVID-related mm-hmm. um, issues. Um, it, it's, it's very focused on that. Um, and so I think um, for a community that already has some trepidation about accessing resources um, to take care of their health, um, it's just, it's, it's very confusing and um, there are limited resources at the end of the day. You know, we partner with Spring Branch Community Health Center, um, who's also doing a fantastic job of trying to continue to provide resources in the community right. um, for the health needs. Um, and, you know, they've seen significant challenges, um, both because of having to, you know, have additional um, uh, measures, um, safety measures, Measures, um, but the resources, the resources on material has been limited. Um, and so, you know, we see a strain where there already have been organizations set up to try to step into the gap. You know, they're also at high risk right now um, and have seen um, significant decline in, in, in their numbers. So, um, you know, like you mentioned, it's something that is seen throughout. And, and I think that the repercussions, while we may feel and you can hear the anxiety and, um, notice some things today. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's hard for us to even imagine how long, you know, into the future, the current situation is going to impact lives and communities. Yeah. I, I think it, I think it extends out a long time. I mean, I, I think just for even just for people that are not facing these issues, mm-hmm. we're looking at significant ways that we do things differently. Yeah. And places like uh, so now, now it's been extended the social distancing through the end of April mm-hmm. uh, by the government, uh, CDC and the federal government are now kind of aligned on that. I think today there'll be uh, um, Texas, the governor, from what I understand, will have a press conference and I think be in alignment with the national, federal, CDC, and probably also, again, the schools now will be closed through all of April. Uh, now some some states, I think in Georgia, They've already closed for the whole year. Yeah, that's right. They've already announced that. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I, I think this is one thing for us, I, for me today, is to think in terms of wherever we are, to just count all the blessings that are in front of you. Mm-hmm. And when you start realize, when you start getting frustrated because you're stuck in your house or you can't go 
hang out with your friend or you can't go hook up with some other couples and have dinner or whatever to think about how this is impacting a huge part of the center of not only our city, but of our economy that keeps things going. And I just think there's going to be a huge ripple effect uh, from this that we don't even know at this point. Yeah. I am um, earlier this week, um, Matt led a part of our, um, the MAMS team and just some spiritual care. And we really mm-hmm. appreciate that. And he was mentioning the ABCs of gratitude. And so, mm-hmm. um, I did it with my family. We went around the table yesterday and tried to get through the alphabet and just talk about the things that we are grateful for, yeah. because, you know, I, what was X? The, <laughs> you know what? Z is going to be zoom from here on out. Zoom. <laughs> Z is zoom. <laughs> Um, you know, I find myself because of the work that I'm in and because I, I do, you know, I know deeply the needs of the community. I interact with the folks who are, you know, facing these challenges every day. It's sometimes difficult for me, um, you know, not to also sympathize with the things that my kids are feeling that they have a loss for. Um, and so, you know, my first reaction is to say, you have no idea, you know, you should be grateful for all these things because they're folks who this, that, and the other. Um, and so, you know, I loved this tool, which allowed us, um, to put it in the context of how we can be grateful. Um, and, um, as opposed to me in a reactionary way, (laughs) throwing it at my kids, um, because of the circumstance. But I, I do think that that's something that as a community, we, we constantly have to focus on as, as people of faith, just recognizing, um, the, the grace and abundance that's in our life. Um, but it's also a great time for us to reflect on, you know, how many things we've built into our lives and our culture, into our churches, into our purchasing, into our lives lives and the value that they have, you know, we, 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 and when we're in a space like we are today, where it really just gets peeled back to the raw, what do we really all need? What do we need to be well in the way that God desires for us to be well as people and as a community? What do we really need? And how are we living our lives in such a way that we're leaning in, whether it's with our words or our prayers, whether it's with our wallets or our time, how are we leaning into becoming the people and the community that God created us all to be? Mm-hmm. And so while in the midst of this, you know, certainly, Um, we have this deep awareness that there are needs out there beyond what we feel like can be met. Um, I also deeply believe that um, God richly provides for us all. And if we can work together with what has been given us, we can live lives, rich lives together as a community. Um, but I, you know, I certainly see this as a time of, of, of reflection, um, and a time that we're all going to be challenged significantly. Um, because, you know, we are all in a place of grieving and loss. You know, we've lost our regular rhythms of life. We've lost resources that we're accustomed to. And we've lost connection with people that, um, you know, are really important to us. Um, so I think that those are all things that we're in, in the process of managing, um, together. That's really good. When we were, um, yesterday, um, at the Fairhaven, um, at the food bank there, um, I think there was over 260 families that ended up being uh, fed out of that. Is yeah. that right, John? Well, I think that's what, is it, I think what that's what said. Suzanne said. As as um, as as we were 
kind of handing out food, I was struck with um, the part of the Lord's Prayer that I've said a lot, um, but has never impacted me in, in this particular way of giving us this day our daily bread as as we're actually putting boxes down for people's daily bread you know and um i'm in a family that's been able to hoard some bread you know and i realize that i'm not having to pray that prayer yet right and so i'm both wanting to be deeply practical about it as a christian (laughs) and then also deeply generous Mm -hmm. you know and that tension between um being around families that are actually that's a prayer this is their manna Mm -hmm. they don't know what's coming tomorrow you know um and so knowing that chapelwood knowing that a ma'am is standing in the gaps there feels Mm -hmm. like it's the work of of what it means to be more deeply human together as people, not just Christian, but I think whatever it means to be human is where we'll find Christ. Uh, my, my hope, I, I was uh, sharing the other day, the, I've been reading again, the desert fathers and mothers mm-hmm. in Abba Anthony yeah. talks about when you're in your cell, you insulate yourself from certain wars in the mm-hmm. world and there's anger and there's this and there's that. He said, but you can never insulate yourself from the war that rages in your own heart. Mm -hmm. the war that you have against yourself. And I think what this does more than anything is it puts us in a position to where now we are all in our cell. And they used to say, stay in your cell. Your cell will teach you everything. And we're starting to learn what that means now. Mm -hmm. They they chose to go out and live by themselves, which I think is kind of (laughs) crazy. But, you know, we're forced. It's like I said last week, I'm I'm getting to the point where I need quarantine in my quarantine. You know, it's like mm-hmm. we can only have movie nights so many nights in a row, and then we just got to go to our separate corners and come out. You know, in a day or two. But uh, you, are you, I'm sure with the family, this is just my wife. I just all I ever wanted was my family just to be together <laughs> all the time, and she's even like, yeah, "Be careful what oh you pray gosh. for." <laughs> you all again. Tonight, again. <laughs> I have a 10-year-old, a 7-year-old, and a 15-month-old. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> so, um, you know, we've been navigating uh, work schedules, school schedules, nap schedules, uh, all of the above, um, but certainly... Um, learning to have additional grace because we're all in, you know, um, uncertain times. Um, and it's, you know, it infects us all differently. So there's um, so, there's so (laughs) much blessing in this, like you said, I hope that I really hope and pray that we don't come out on the other side exactly like we went in. Mm, Yeah. I, I really do hope and pray there's some sense of being able to sit like we talked about last week, be able to sit in the darkness and to understand that darkness is a part of life mm. and that we don't have to always turn the lights on right away immediately, but to, to let the darkness teach us what it needs to teach us, mm-hmm. knowing that God is the one that's present in the darkness, mm-hmm. present on the chaos, present on the right, waters. Right, right, right. And that, um, that also I, and this is what I don't like about this time, that I don't get to decide when it's over. Hmm. There's a part of like, like when, when I hear you say that, I think, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've learned that. I'm good. Now can we get back to normal? (laughs) You know, Uh where it's almost as I I don't get to decide when this is over. I don't get to decide what it takes. I don't get to decide where it takes me. Right. And so I think that where, what we end up seeing as Christians is back to this deep sense of, of living a life of surrender, Mm -hmm. you know, letting, letting, the darkness do what it will do in us in our cell, 
And that's a, some of the things, like you said, John, that we're, that I'm facing within myself and my own self, it ain't pretty stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so it's, it's, it's being around then Christians and a community of folks that say, bring it. Okay. If this is what we're going through together, let's, mm-hmm. let's do this together. Let's get stinky together. Let's work it together because we're all in it, you know? And mm-hmm. if we decide to image manage ourselves in the middle of this, both as a church, or as people, um, we will act as if the darkness isn't present, you know, mm. and, and God, yeah. like you said, God's in it. I think our tendency always is not always for some of us, <laughs> our tendency <laughs> asking for a friend right? <laughs> is to want Long time to listener, first time caller <laughs> asking for a friend. Go ahead. Sonia. Um, <laughs> wanting to control the situation, wanting to yeah. fix something, you know, even your question about like, what can we do? What Those can we of do? that are sitting yeah, home, right. like, what can we do? Like, I want to do yeah. something about this. Um, and I think sometimes it's, you know, it's so challenging when, you know, there are situations in our life that, you know, maybe what we need to do is accept them for what they are and listen and hear for what God's telling us in them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the other day when my son asked me, why are people buying so much toilet paper, mom? You know, it just had, it made me reflect that, you know, when we are in a place where we fear and where we're not certain we have the resources and we're trying to control and protect ourselves and act in ways um, that respond to what we think are the most immediate needs. We sometimes do things that, you know, may not necessarily be the choices that do make the most sense, but they're the most natural thing um, given the resource and the context yeah. that we're in. The toilet and- paper thing is crazy. <laughs> 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 and, and it it's like give us this day our daily toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, I will say two weeks. So two weeks ago, I think, and you might have been on this call. But Suzanne was saying, with they were on a call with the food banks, and two weeks ago, people bought four times more than. So basically, whatever they Groceries. typically buy in a week, they bought four right. times more than mm-hmm. they normally do. And last week, it was only like fifty percent right. more. Yeah. And so you're finding people are realizing, I think what's happening is all these preppers are running out of storage space in the house. <laughs> it's kind of like- use some of this stuff. Yeah, like, the deep freezer's full. Like, toilet, paper, toilet papers are now an ottoman in your house. Yeah. You got packages of toilet paper. You got your feet propped up on them. And it's like, hey, uh, we don't really so need fun. any more toilet paper. I think we're good. Uh, send it to my house because I was one of those that thought, ah, fooey, you can always get toilet paper. Guess what? Amazon has no toilet paper, <laughs> period. So, well, um, I did think it was interesting, you know, to what Matt was saying earlier. Um, and we saw this with toilet paper. We saw it with soap. We saw yeah, it with all yeah. of these things, right? Yeah. You know, in our own need um, to feel that security, um, we've gone out and bought massive amounts of quantities of these things. Well, who are the piece of people that are most affected once again? the people that are the yeah. most vulnerable. That's Why? Right. Because right. they don't have the capacity yeah. to go out and buy, you know, significant stocks of yeah. any of these items. And when they got to the store, 
there was nothing, nothing. you know, <laughs> it, it's interesting. John preached on the, the this text about uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000 a couple of weeks ago. And one of the, one of the things that you intimated uh, in the interpretation is that this isn't necessarily a magic trick that Jesus is doing with Big Macs, right? This is a, this is a kid that's sitting on food and there's a sense in which other people are sitting on food <laughs> mm-hmm. and they begin to pull out the food that they have. Right. And so there's a sense in which there is enough, there mm-hmm. is enough uh, and sometimes we've piled up the enoughness um, un, um, in an extravagant way in our own, and it's depleted the enoughness that another person might have. And so as I was handing food out yesterday, I realized, and I felt convicted at that, of saying, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know what to do with that, but there, here's people praying for their daily bread. Mm-hmm. And, um, and for me to come in line with the gospel, I need to look at that more. I don't know what to do about that. I'm hoping to be in a community of folks that's going to wrestle with that together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, to know that, um, that that's a part of the gospel. So when you're standing in your pantry and you're thinking, geez, I got to eat another turkey sandwich today for lunch. Just remember that there are people who are getting up early in the morning to go get in line yes. at Fairhaven mm-hmm. or on the, uh, the east side or at different locations to wait in lines for hours just to get a collection of, of groceries. And I think that's, um, I think the final word would be just in one or two things that can be the most helpful. If someone's thinking, what can I do to be helpful? What would, what would you say from ma'am's perspective? So I think those two things, you know, I mean, I love how Matthew just connected it to, um, the spiritual journey for each of us as we make these decisions. And, you know, one thing we've encouraged people to do, we recognize that not everyone's in a situation to be able to write a big check, you know, to, mm-hmm. to ma'am or to the church's relief efforts. Um, but, you know, we're encouraging people to figure out for you what feels like an amount that you can give mm-hmm. Because we really think it, the entire community has been affected. It's going to take the entire community also to recover from this together. And so even if that's, you know, a $5 a month and, you know, you do a a recurring gift on your credit card, you know, that's important because that is somebody else's answer to prayer that we're able to provide, whether it's through food or rent subsidies, you know, whether it's through the support systems that we make available. Um, And so, you know, I think that's one big piece of it. Um, And the other piece is just, um, telling other people that you know of about ma'am or about, you know, the work that's being done in the, the Fairhaven food distribution um, so that people who may not be a part of our networks and may not know that, Hey, this is where I can focus all of my attention and resources right now, because this, these are the needs and these are organizations that are responding effectively that we know that we trust. Um, let people know, because, you know, there's certainly people out there that um, this may not be what they would support on a day-to-day basis, but right now they're wondering, you know, who can I support that's doing good work? It's like Mr. Rogers said, when never things are bad, look for the helpers. And I Mm. think that it's just like right now, my philosophy is look at the leaders uh, locally, statewide, nationally, your elected leaders who are doing the best work at helping Mm. us to get through this. Those are the ones that need to be rewarded on the other side. Mm. Yeah. Um, to be reelected or to put in in a higher office because, and I think the same thing is true with organizations and churches these days Mm. is you're going to see in this very difficult time, 
what's the focus? What, what, what are you expending your energy and your resource on? Yeah. And I think I would say to people, if, if you're in a vulnerable place in the space, part of what you need to spend your energy on is taking care of yourself. Yes. But Absolutely. there are yes. a lot of people who are blessed, even with the struggles <clears throat> economically in the city, uh, whether it's related to work, there's still a lot of people who are blessed abundantly. And this is where they are able to pull out the, the loaves and the fish and say, hey, you know what? I'll offer this up. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was um, I was thinking about an article that um, David Brooks wrote this last week about kind of the moral meaning of the plague. And I, if it's OK, I'm just going to read a couple of the lines out of this that I've been going to read the whole article. I'm going to read the whole article. <laughs> I think so, it's copyright so get, issue. So, so, so get comfortable, John. <laughs> And he says this, Victor Frankl, writing from the madness of the Holocaust, reminds us that we don't get to choose our difficulties, but we do have the freedom to select our responses. Meaning, he argued, comes from three things. The work we offer in times of crisis, the love we give, and our ability to display courage in the face of suffering. The menace may be subhuman or superhuman, but we all have the option of asserting our own dignity even to the end. I think this cro- cuts across, for me, cuts across socioeconomics, right? So Absolutely. Uh, whether we're folks who are in um, um, Pitner Road or deep in the heart of uh, one of the villages, uh, that, that is our work as people, um, to face this suffering with dignity, with courage, with love, and with service. Mm. Um, and I think that that's, I'm glad to be in a community where with Chapel and Mam is doing that every day. We always need to pray for the least of these and even their normal connections. Like I think about Spring Spirit Baseball. Yeah. No, they're yeah. down. They're, there's yeah. no place for the kids to go meet up and play and have fun. And yeah. it breaks my heart uh, to think about that. Sonia, thanks for being with us. And uh, let us all know how we can be helpful as we continue on. You, I'm John Stevens. I'm Matt Russell. Sonia G. Thanks. Good job. (laughs) And this is Pod Have Mercy. (laughs) 